clubs are just getting open, so <laughs> I don't even think they opened yet. It's really great to be back here tonight. It's going to be a great weekend. Always honored to be here, honored to stand here. Uh, just know a lot of really neat people come through here. Uh, thanks for your giving tonight. Um, I guess when was the last time this year? It was November. Probably in the last year and a half or so, uh, the Lord just has really begun opening the doors to the nations. And um, it's kind of really humbling. And I was thinking about even how some of this stuff is happening. And really, it's one or really one relationship uh, has opened part of my destiny. And uh, I say that because you're one relationship away from unlocking some some of your destinies yeah. I felt like I needed to say that tonight I don't know why but um, some of you are I feel like you're frustrated because you have like this thing that the Lord's called you to do or you feel like you have this assignment but the relationships to enable that to happen haven't happened in your life and I just want to say uh, hold on because that favor and that door is going to open for you and you don't have to push it open he really does open a door no man can shut. Despite your weaknesses, despite your mistakes, he'll open a door no man can shut. But the Lord uh, really has been opening these nations. And uh, so uh, it's really been stretching me because a lot of things we, we just, we believe God for the money and we just go and do it. Uh, I have a commitment with the Lord that I'll go wherever he sends me and uh, I'm not... I'm not looking to see what they can give me. I'm looking to see what I can give them. And so uh, it takes a good amount of resources to do that. And last week, I just really felt stirred from the Lord to, uh, the Lord told me to ask him for $100,000 in the next year to go to the nations. And so uh, really, that's what I'm, and that, I, that's outside of salaries, outside of health insurance, all this regular stuff we pay for. Because uh, I was just in the Philippines, and uh, the the bishop that I work with over there, he, he said to me, he said, when you come, uh, you build our churches, and all our churches grow. And we'd like you to, and I was really humble, because I don't really know him. I've been going there three years, but I don't know if I'd consider it one of my deeper relationships. They said, we, we'd like you to be on this advisory board, and we also do a feeding program there. And it's amazing, because... They are able, I didn't realize this, but they're able to use the money we give every month in this feeding program to start churches because they'll go there and feed kids who aren't, uh, aren't having nutritious meals. And then they go, hey, look, there's a crowd. Let's minister to them. <laughs> Sounds like a good Jesus idea. So uh, next month, uh, going to Russia and then Estonia. And then uh, we're supposed to go to Cuba in August, but uh, maybe the dates might get switched up and then back again to Estonia in November. So that's what your giving helps us do. It helps to build churches, helps to train people, and uh, really helps to equip people who a lot of people won't go to minister to and multiply. And uh, $1 in the Philippines can feed four kids in one city. So uh, really, an American dollar goes really, really far in other countries. And... Uh, so the nation's feeding program, building churches, equipping people. And the other thing is, it, it goes to me too because they, no, I'm being really serious. I, I don't, this is kind of awkward for me to say, but I really felt like the Lord told me to say it. 
and it is this, is that they, uh, we, we didn't get a dime, we don't get a dime to go to some of these places, and so uh, I need to make sure that my family and myself is taken care of when I go there. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I don't know why it got really quiet, but anyway, <laughs> thanks for your giving tonight. Um, I encourage you to look back there, we have a lot of really new resources. If, if I was to know that I was going to die tomorrow, and uh, I, I don't believe I am, but if I was, and I had one message left to preach, it was be like you were born for deep relationship with God. And you're just, you're just so wired for encounter with Him that nothing else will satisfy except the very face of God. <laughs> and, uh, there, and so uh, these are probably my two favorite series, and they're on, uh, this is called Sons of the Kingdom. It's from a school I taught on your position before the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I was wondering what that thing is that he is. And, and, and I feel like part of that is there, uh, he is. Who is God? Who is God to you? And, who has he, and what position has he put you in? Because it's key in your approach to God that um, you can spend a, a lot of believers, spend a lot of time like begging for stuff God has already given them. And so, who is he to you, and where has he placed you? And that's part of the key in your approach to God and also receiving from God. And a lot of times, you, uh, many times, because he's so gracious, we just receive stuff just, uh, quite frankly, out of ignorance. But I like to work out of uh, uh, understanding that gets godly results. And part of that is knowing the nature of God and how he thinks towards you and the position that he's put you in. The very God who spoke the universe into existence says, the same place of honor and glory I want to give to you. That means you've been given everything. So that's back there. And uh, there's also a partner packet back there. I really felt like, and, and I just don't say this everywhere I go, but I felt like there are people here in this room tonight that... Um, we're supposed to partner with us on a monthly basis, so you pray into that. I do feel like I have a word from the Lord. Um, I don't know how it's all going to go, but I feel like uh, some of the things that the Lord wants me to say is going to go through uh, declaration and through impartation, through just kind of prophesying certain things. Uh, so let's just lift our hands. Lord, thanks for tonight. Lord, I bless these hungry people who have come tonight. I say that tonight you are sitting at the table of the Lord and that everything that you have need of is at this table. You don't need somebody to like you. You don't need somebody to affirm you because you're seated at the table of the Lord. You're seated at the place where you're always affirmed and you've been freely given all things. And so the Lord is going to open the eyes of your understanding tonight to, uh, for you to realize in a greater measure that you have everything that you have need of. And it's also a place of rest tonight. So I just release rest over you. Lord, I thank you for the angels that are here. I thank you that the angels follow the declaration of what you're saying in the room. So Lord, uh, give me ears to hear and eyes to see what you're saying in this room. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing in the earth. And thank you that you haven't forgotten about this great state of North Carolina. And that you have raised up a remnant in this room. And Lord, 
We don't even know what this means, but thank you because you're making all things new. And that your will is being established on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a real season of uh, divine positioning in the body of Christ. Although, as we walk with the Lord, it can be said that we are always in this season of divine positioning. Because as we walk with Him, we are a people who are supposed to move not out of uh, just principle, but his voice and relationship with him. So he's constantly trying to adjust us. And what is true in one season is, is not as true in the next season. And we're always trying to discern as a prophetic people and as a people called to walk with him, what is the Lord emphasizing in this season? It's one of the great tragedies of certain organizations that they continue to emphasize something that God is no longer emphasizing as strongly. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken that truth. It just means that he's emphasizing something a little differently. And so we're constantly in, in seasons of, adjust, uh, of adjustment and positioning ourselves according to heaven's perspective allows us to reap heavenly results. Heavenly results allows us to reap one of the Father's primary desires for the planet and is on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. We are in a season of great shift and a word that I, uh, really has become really real to me to describe this shift is known as reformation. The reality of what the word reformation will express in the earth will cause the face of Christianity to change in the earth. The initial Protestant Reformation was about undergirding spiritual truth and understanding to, uh, uh, and, and, and scriptural understanding to be a backbone of what the Lord wanted to do. I believe this one is also uh, uh, theological in a sense, but more about the expression and how we live life. It's important to recognize that we live in this divine tension in living in, a, in the current moment and also contending for and having vision for a day that's never existed. It's like we have to live in this moment, but we also have to see what's never before been seen and steward the moment so we can capture the future. Along the way... We have these moments of learning and signs that are pointing us to show us that we're on the right path. And we have trickles. And I believe even how we respond, we, we have these grand things that we, in a sense, I don't mean grand in a sense that they're fairy tales. But we have true realities that the Lord is going to release the sons of God into the earth. And they're going to do the works of Jesus. And not only do the works, but greater works. And that cancer and sickness and disease would bow at the name of Jesus. And that prophecies would change spiritual climates and, and uh, shift nations in a moment of day. But in, in a sense, and at least this is my experience, I could be wrong. In a mass scale, this has not been released in, 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 in the hour. But we are uh, adjusting ourselves to receive the inheritance of what the Father wants to give us. And it's a season, really, I believe, of 
even uh, allowing the Lord to examine and to uh, uh, keep our eyes focused upon Him. Because I, I quite honestly, if I believe if the Lord would release the measure of the glory that He desires to release even in our corporate gatherings, we might have to take half the people out on, uh, uh, well, they might be dead. <laughs> and so in His graciousness, He's allowing us this season of visitation and learning to be a habitation, but also saying, hey, I need some adjustment here because in my mercy, I don't want to hold you responsible for this measure quite yet. It will be new to the earth, but what God has always, it has been always God's intention from the very beginning. At the core of what will shift the expression of God in the earth is the building of the universal, that it, the universal church. And understand this, God is always building his church. That word is true. When Jesus spoke it, it was true in that moment and is always true. And God uses organizations, but we can never look at organization as the only expression of the universal church. It's a key difference. He uses organization, but it doesn't mean that organization, even though it has the name church, is the church that God is building. God only, uh, God only has uh, obligation to build that which he has intended. Just because you put the name church on somebody and you say you want to marry uh, two men or a woman doesn't mean it's the church that God's building. You can call it whatever you want, but God walked out a long time ago. And what the Lord is trying to do is he's trying to, the reason this understanding of being seated in heavenly places and being new creatures who live from heaven towards earth is because he's trying to create in us a people who uh, live from heaven towards earth, but also now know how to engage the world system. But there is a clear distinction. It's very clear when I show up somewhere, especially in the Philippines this last time, that I'm the American. I asked the lady, do I look Filipino? No, not at all. <laughs> There's a clear distinction in cultures and understanding and even how you look at people and approach life. And so there's going to be this clear, very, very clear distinction in the, in the people who are living as citizens of heaven and, and living from heaven towards earth. And he's learning to, 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 for us to be a people. He's trying to teach us how to be a people of the culture of the kingdom of God. The culture of the kingdom of heaven. Culture is this. Behaviors and beliefs that are characteristic of a particular social, ethnic, or age group. So it's behaviors and beliefs. It's like that dual thing. Faith without works is dead. Expression. Belief without expression is American deception. And here is what reformation it is the improvement or the alteration for the better. When we are shifting or when we're becoming a people of reformation, often, you know, sometimes, and, and I understand it because often. 
there, it, we have to be very careful, I believe, of how we describe things because often people just, oh, the American church is dead. There's no movement. You know, like, they're all gone human. It, it's like, it, it's kind of like a cool thing to sort of bash the American church in a sense or the Western church. But when, and then there's other people just like, oh, Reformation, you think everything's bad. You know, there's so much good. Reformation is this. Reformation is improvement or alteration for the better. It is God saying, when we're, even that word keeps coming up tonight, he's making all things new. The way the Lord showed me this was, it, it would be as though, uh, let's say you're going on a cross-country trip, and you have your 1992 van with 150,000 miles on it, and it's leaking oil, and, you go, and, and then somebody goes, hey, I'd like to give you a new vehicle, and it's yours free. You can take it. It's a new van. It has all the features. It's got the video system and the iPod and all that. And you're like, no, I'll take my old van because it's what I've always been used to. And it's still driving. But that old van is not going to get you across the country to go into territory that you've never been in. And so that's what the Lord is trying to do. He's trying to say, hey, I want to give you some upgrades so you can take territory you've never taken. A lot, of, a, a, a lot of understanding of where the Lord wants to take us often has to go to mindset. One of the most fascinating things to me is Moses, and I think maybe I might talk about this a little tomorrow. Moses, the man who God says in Exodus 7, I will make you like God to Pharaoh. I mean, it's like this amazing picture. He's like, he's like stop, stop this plague. He goes, all right, when I leave, I'll talk to God and it'll stop. But you got to let my people go. And so he'd go, hey, God, stop it. And it would stop. I mean, God was with Moses. He, he as the last plague, they get all the stuff out of Egypt. They go from the poorest people on the earth to the wealthiest people in one moment of time. It's a prophetic picture. And then Moses, he's got the word of the Lord that he's going to bring the people into the promised land, stands in front of the, the, the sea and goes, why'd you leave me? <laughs> and I'm going, how many times have I had Moses' mindset where I've seen the goodness of the Lord? I've seen the intervention of the Lord as I work and cooperate with him. And then I come to another mountain and I go, why'd you leave me? You need a different mindset to work against a heathen pharaoh than to part a Red Sea. One, he, had, he understood deliverance, but he didn't know how to go into uncharted territory. I'm not criticizing him. I'm just trying to learn from him. So I want to speak for a few moments on characteristics of reformational cultures. Here's number one. Is a culture of reformation, and I believe a culture of the kingdom, recognizes their great need for God. 
One of the great magnets of heaven towards your life is recognizing your need for for God. The longer I walk with God, the more I recognize my deep need for Him. Especially even to obey the things because it's that constant upgrade. It's like, yeah, that was good last season, but I need you to step forward and again in this season. And if you'll say yes, I'll release grace into that. Like, I need you. I've never done that. We live with this, I call it another divine tension. I love the tensions of the Christian life. In that the Father has called us to live a completely impossible life without His help. Yet He will not do what He has commanded us to do. It's almost seemingly like Jesus makes these contradictory statements. He says this in John 5 verse 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I him and him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Interesting. It's used by a lot of lazy Christians. <laughs> Especially... Charismatics, they, they have just so like soiled that word being led by the Spirit. <laughs> just don't feel led to do that. <laughs> you got a whole group of people who out of hurt or rebellion or whatever issue, they're like, we just wake up on Sunday and if the Lord doesn't lead us anywhere, we don't go. I'm like, who wounded you? You need to get healed and get in the community of people. (laughs) Get in something bigger than yourself. (laughs) The leader will stand up. I feel like the Lord is just calling us to a 21-day fast, and you guys just need to pray in that. The Lord didn't tell me that. (laughs) They're led by the Spirit. So he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But then he says, when he's commanding what his disciples do, it said, when he called his 12 disciples to himself, he gave them power over unclean spirits and to heal all kinds of diseases. In that same verse, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. He said, you heal them. And he's like, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we, the Lord is inviting us in a greater measure to live with this constant consciousness is I know that I have a responsibility, but I know that I constantly need you. He says things like, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Interesting. I'm not here to defend the Pharisees, but my understanding, and these guys get really bad names, but they weren't trying to earn any salvation. They were trying to actually, the scribes would create rules and regulations to try and uh, obey the law. And they were trying to help people obey the law so the kingdom of heaven would be ushered in. And so they were probably 
really, probably the, the, in a lot of ways, their hearts might have been wrong, but they were trying to please God in every way that they could. And they were also probably some of the most holiest people around. And the Lord says, if your righteousness isn't like them, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He's made you righteous, yet you have a responsibility to follow him and be... He's made you righteous, yet you have a responsibility to be holy in everything that you do. But you can only do it with his help. I believe this is a really good verse. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that we could ask or think. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that we could ask or think. And here's this divine tension. According to the power that works within us. It's a really key verse for this season. Because it's in recognizing our need for God. And, and, and stewarding the moment that we're in. We're in a season of exceedingly and abundantly all that we could ask or think. It's in these moments where he asks us to simply obey and we think it's going to look like one thing if his blessing shows up and it goes way beyond anything that we could think and we go, it must have been God. But he used our divine agreement to bring a suddenly moment into our life. Remember, uh, I was in an extended fast, and uh, I like to eat. You don't wake up like this without liking to eat. And I remember going, Lord, I really need, I don't know what day I was in. I said, Lord, I really need your help. And he said to me, he said, you need my help. Every day. I believe this is one of the most beautiful expressions found in the life of Jesus. He was fully God, fully man, had seen the glory of creation, was perfectly in union with the Trinity, and he came to earth and he submitted himself in a sense, in the humanity that he had created himself. Most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. Now, this is, this is often quoted, but this is what I really like. For the father loves the son. And since Jesus... Uh, since Jesus through the cross has put you in that same position, you can say, the father loves Abner. Then he says, and shows him all that he himself does. See, there's this attractive element to, to people who go, I need you. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Here's one of the, to me, a primary indicator, and I'm speaking to people who are crazily in love with God here on a Friday night. 
during a night where CM Punk is defending the WWE Championship <laughs> against Kane on Friday Night SmackDown. This is what you're missing right now. <laughs> but one of the primary indicators is one's one of the ways that you will, I believe, can identify where you are in saying, I need you, God, it's this. What does your pursuit of God look like? Individually and corporately. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love this. This is one of my life verses. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed means happy. The word poor there, the Old Testament view there is that it's a picture of a beggar who is dependent on their provider. It is not referring to a, uh, your economic level. It's referring to a state of mind. It is a state of mind to say, I am poor in spirit and I am constantly in need of you. It has nothing to do with your economic status. It was referring to a posture of the heart. We think with our heart, not with our mind. In spirit is those who in their deepest consciousness realize their need for God. Before God, we are void of everything, lies at the foundation of spiritual excellence. Here, because he ends it, because he goes, blessed are those who have a fixed consciousness and go, God, we need you. And then he goes, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It didn't say it's coming. It says it's all yours when you say, I need you, God. So the poor in spirit are enriched with the fullness of Christ, which is the kingdom in substance. <laughs> One of the ways we say is our time where we, there's this conscious effort to turn towards him. And when we turn towards, it doesn't, it, it, yes, it includes moments where we set a time with him. But it's those moments where we don't understand or moments where everything's hitting us and we go, Lord, I trust you. I don't understand everything that's going on and it really hasn't been a really great day, but I trust you. And I refuse to allow words or things contrary to what you've spoken to me to affect my spirit. Because part of trusting you is going, I trust you. It is one of the great, I believe, it, it, I believe it is part of the card's heart cry for the Western church that we would be a people say, Lord, we need you. I get so concerned sometimes. As I see... Quite honestly, sometimes leaders, and it's like, do you even need God for what you're doing? 
God wants to deliver us, I believe, of self-help Christianity. Christianity is not something that we add to God, or to, we add to our life. Christianity is not something intended to, to uh, it was the, the people of the way. It was never supposed to be like, yeah, this helps my life. I'm so much happier. No, those are results of living in the kingdom of God. It is often the recognition of our need for God and His intervention that releases heavenly resources on our behalf. I want to deliver people of trying to fulfill and trying to grab and trying to do everything. So many believers are so worn out, living so out of balance with the rhythm of heaven because they're trying to fulfill their own destiny, trying to fulfill their own prophetic word. And so a really good question is what aspect of our individual and corporate life is without the consciousness of the deep need for God? One of my concerns in... in uh, raising up a prophetic people is that, uh, quite honestly, you can pre- you can teach people a few principles and they can prophesy, but never know the God that they're prophesying about. Because it's the issue of the heart, not of accuracy. Sometimes I've received some of the most accurate words, but you just feel yucky after it because there was something off in the person's operating system. Jesus will say to them on that final day, you prophesied, you cast demons in. I never knew you. I never had intimate knowledge of who you are. You thought you knew me. So I just want, if you would, just lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we recognize that we are a people in deep need of you. And where you want to take us, we need you. And so I release just a grace, first of all, to do what you've made us responsible to do. But also a grace to understand and to... I release in the name of Jesus a consciousness that we are constantly in need of you. Lord, would you stir and shift our hearts tonight to live with this reality that not only you're with us, but you want to intervene, that you want your resources to come upon us, Lord. Lord, I I declare over some of you this week, there will be burning bush experiences. There will be uncommon happenings in your life. Well, you'll say, this is the Lord and I will turn and I will look. I declare that you will see the face of God and other people. I declare that what you've been trying to do out of your own resources would now be lifted and peace would come and grace would come upon what you're doing. For some of you, even this week, the Lord is going to lift off frustration, lift off even uh, heartache for things you've tried to do on your own strength. I deliver you tonight in the name of Jesus from trying to do things on your own strength. In Jesus' name. Here's number two. 
Recognition is the womb of encounter that births heavenly shift. When we recognize our deep need for God, it opens us up for deep encounter. Seeing the face of God was never intended to be like an option in the kingdom of God. It was always intended to be an integral part of the operating system. He didn't want to take us from glory to that was okay to, oh, we saw God and ah, that was okay service. He wants to constantly take us from glory to glory. And it doesn't mean maybe the physical uh, reaction or how we see it, but he is constantly, his will and his momentum is to take us from glory to glory. One of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons that different moves of God have attracted so many people is because many people are in sterile environments void of encounter with God. And so when God shows up, people, they're like, that's what I was born for. And the move of God in the earth was never intended to be in one geographic location. Just give me half a second. I'll release something here in a minute. It's hard for me to think. I'm sorry. You do really good, though. (laughs) Tom, you're amazing. There's an angel with you right now. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. What was I saying? Yeah. It was never intended to be in one place. In my travels... A lot, of, a lot of times I will go and they'll say, the Lord has promised us a great move of God. Constantly different. The Lord has promised us a great move of God. Of course, they always think that the world's going to come to them, but that's a different story. <laughs> and I asked the Lord about it. Because like, what, what's the deal here? He goes, all the prophecies, most of them are, are accurate because I desire my whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of my glory. And so recognition is the womb for seeing the face of God. A foundation of the kingdom culture is the constant beholding of the face of God. While we can know through experience different things happening and different aspects happening in heaven, one thing that is absolutely clear is that there is worship 24 hours a day, seven days a week in heaven. In fact, when there was silence once, it was recorded. I read this uh, book earlier this year by this Baptist guy. No, it's true. He died. He died and went to heaven for 90 minutes. He was legally dead. And he says, one of the most, and, I, and I've heard it, He said, it sounded like there was 30 different CDs playing 
but they were all synchronized. And it was like there was no, it wasn't like they were out of rhythm. They were all in rhythm with each other. And so the redeeming aspect of the kingdom of God is that they're constantly seeing the face of God. And a recognition for him opens that door of possibility and he goes, come! Acts 4. And being let go, they went into their companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard this, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the rulers of the earth take their stand? And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, they were facing persecution. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word. And by stretching out your hand to heal and signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It's interesting that they say that signs and wonders would be done through your holy servant, Jesus, yet Jesus was in heaven. They realized that they were the embodiment of Jesus upon the earth. They said, do it through Jesus, but Jesus had already ascended to heaven. These are the same people, plus the thousands being added. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Recognition is the womb for encounter that causes heavenly shift. They were filled again. I always like the story of Bartimaeus because he's crying out to God and the people are telling them to be quiet. Finally, Jesus recognizes him and they're all, and Jesus goes, what do you need? Or what do you want? <laughs> I know you probably can't tell this, but I have a big mouth. I would have been like, Jesus, the dude's blind. <laughs> I know you're like Jesus, but I think the guy wants to be healed. I believe that we're living in this divine tension right now where the Lord is almost asking the people of God, what do you want? And he's looking there more, I feel like Jesus, like he's sitting there, he's like when he was looking at Bartimaeus, he's more than willing to heal him, but he still asks him, what do you want? Like what it'll cost, it'll cost you everything. Not in a bad way, but it's like when you, it's like though when you give up everything, you gain heaven. So he said, store up your treasures in heaven. Why do we believe God for thousands of dollars? Because we want to be a resource center. 
Why do we believe God for nations to be changed? Because Jesus is worth it. The lamb slain, his, he paid so that the earth could be redeemed. And Jesus says, what do, what do you want? And before he stepped into his healing, he, we know he threw out his garment. He says, I'm no longer a beggar. And I believe that there is encounter and spiritual eyes being opened when we shift our identity in him. So just lift your hands. In the name of Jesus, I declare that in your recognition for God, you have opened up yourself to a deep womb of encounter. I declare that heavenly encounters are being birthed tonight in the name of Jesus. I declare there's fire being put upon your hands and fire being put upon your eyes to see what you've never seen before. I declare that you are being seated in heavenly places. There is a recognition that you sit from that place, that you sit in heavenly places and all the resources of heaven are yours. I declare on your way to work this week, there is a, I just saw people like a wave of the Holy Spirit coming into your car. I declare there's waves of outpouring coming upon you and your job. I declare that there is a womb of encounter. He is standing at the door and knocking and saying, will you replace that old identity? And boom, the door is being opened to you. I declare there's such a hunger being birthed inside of you. By what you see, you'll say, Lord, there must be more. I declare that there is more at the table of the Lord for you. I declare there are facets of the glory of the Lord that you will see that's never before been seen by anyone here upon the earth. I declare that that room reserved for you is open. I declare that the cross of Jesus uniquely to your life, has opened the door of heaven for you. He says to you, come up here and let me show you the things that are to take place. I say divine perspective is coming into your life. I say eternal realities are being birthed in you in a way you've never known. And I say you are worthy to enter the king's throne. I saw like a picture of just the Lord Jesus extending his scepter and saying you are worthy to, to you are worthy you are worthy to sit at the throne of the Lord. I declare unusual happenings for you. I declare that Jesus would be more beautiful to you on a regular and continuing basis. I say that you are going from glory to glory to glory. I say that the things, even things that you felt have helped you back, even struggles are lifting off of you tonight. Yeah, just wait right there. There's something happening right here. Whoa! (laughs) 
I say he's restoring to some of you the joy of your salvation. Some of you, that joy of walking with the Lord, the enemy's tried to take that away from you because you believe lies. So I break lies off of you. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. I declare over some of you, the spirit of restriction is breaking off of you. That spirit where you take, you feel like you take eight steps ahead and then just feels like you take three steps back. And even some of you, I feel like you, you have made great advancement, but you think that you're, 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 you're way behind the eight ball. And I declare over you, as the apostle Paul said, you're pressing forward toward the mark of the high calling. I say you're forgetting what lies behind. Some of you, in the name of Jesus, I sever your past from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Baba, yeah. just have one more point I want to share tonight and then we'll just see where the Lord takes us number three in a reformational culture people live from identity and not always from command live from identity and not from command this is a subject that the Lord's really been opening up to me it's like when you think he's opening up something to you, you're like, oh, I understand that. And then like a, a, a day later, you're like, I still don't understand this. though. It's like God loves to play hide and seek with you. It's like, unveil this. And you're like, wow. What does this mean? <laughs> Sit here and talk with me. I'll show you. And then he won't show you, but he'll show someone else and he'll give you the word of the Lord through him. God is absolutely committed to the people of God living out the greatest commandment. In his commitment for us to live out the greatest commandment, to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, he's trying to teach the people of the earth, his remnant, his universal church, he's trying to teach them that not everything is out of command, but out of identity of who we are. In living from relationship, we move and operate from identity, not always from command. And here's the really key part. Certain things in the earth will not be birthed from command, but rather from relationship. David was never told to build the tabernacle of David by the word of the Lord. It was David, the man after God's own heart, who goes, Hey, 
I'll build a tent and we'll put musicians and we'll worship you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What was God's idea? God's idea was a man who would birth God's purposes in the earth. You cannot overestimate the importance of you in living in relationship with God, fulfilling an assignment that you never thought was possible and that's never existed in the earth. There's two tensions that exist in the earth, and that is God's will and purposes will be established. He will always find a people who obey Him, who serve Him, and who do everything He tells them to do. But your unique expression, He has no responsibility to do. Heard somebody say the other day, if you don't know what God's will for your life, it's not His fault. And I feel this stirring from God that as we live out of this womb of encounter with Him, there is this stirring from heaven that the Lord is saying, I desire certain things to be birthed from a heart that is fully given to me, but I won't give command to. I like this in in Acts 3. Now Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John, went about to go into the temple. And fixing his eyes on him, with John and Peter said, look at us. Now, the, the reason I'm, I'm using this, this, this line of scripture is because although Jesus said, you'll do the works that I'm doing, there is no direct command there from God to go, you're going to heal this guy on the way in. Because as we walk with the Lord, he said, unless born is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Our walk with the Lord, this is one of the keys, because how God viewed your life, because he, he saw you before the very foundation of the earth, and he's got, in, in the book that he's written about our life and about the universal church, it always includes constant, deep, ongoing encounter with him. And as we encounter him, there's certain things he wants to birth in our heart, but he won't tell us to do it. There was an operating system, an internal operating system in Peter that goes, that guy can't walk, and I'm going to lift him out of that place, and he's going to walk. Because reformers, this is my next point, but I'm not going to get to it tonight, but I'll say it right now. Reformers do not see the world the way it is. They see it as God intends it to be. They begin to see the world differently. They begin to see people who are sick. They're like, that person needs a healing. That person needs to be delivered. That person needs this. That person needs the word of the Lord. And in this context of constant dialogue with the Lord, there's moments that he puts you in situations. He's like, you don't have a four-page prophecy right now, but you need to open your mouth and I'm going to give you the word of the Lord for that person. Because you're my son and you're my daughter and there's no one else who can give it that right now in this situation. Because you begin to see the world as God sees it because you are the embodiment of the Christos, Jesus, upon the earth. And fixing his eyes on him, 
He said he gave him his attention, expecting to receive from him. Then Peter, it, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have. See, he was absolutely convinced he had something to give the guy in the moment. And I believe it is the role of every believer, though you may not be liked in every place you go, you will be fully respected because they know that person has something to give from a different world. They're weird. They talk in a strange language. But they're always nice to me. What is wrong with them? Tell you what, I need prayer. Can you pray for me? Silver and gold, but I do not, but I, but what I do, I have to give to you. What I have, I have to give to you. There was something of substance he had to give him. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up immediately. In his, I always wonder when I read verse 7, does he get healed Peter doesn't lift him up. Because faith gives substance. He puts substance by lifting him up. And his feet and his ankles received strength. So leaping up, he stood and entered the temple with God, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew it was he who sat begging at alms at the beautiful gate of beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. Now, as a lame man who was healed, uh, held on to Peter, all the people ran together in the porch, which is called Solomon's Great, uh, called Solomon's Greatly Amazed. So when they saw it, he responded to the people, why do you marvel? Why do you look so intently as though by our own power or godliness, he made this man walk? Goes back to the first principle. He was like, I know I just did a miracle. There's this picture of this divine tension. He said, I have what I have to give you. And then he goes, no, I didn't do it, but Jesus did it. Just a thought. Just lift your hands if you would. I declare that you have full favor with God. I declare that you are God's unique and beautiful expression in the earth. I declare that there is a rhythm and a sound that is supposed to be released through your life that is yet to come forth in the earth. I declare in your hands are hands for reformation. I declare in your hands are resources that you've never known but have always been there. I declare that the mind of Christ is your inheritance. I declare that the eyes of your understanding are being opened to see the knowledge of who He is. And as you see the knowledge of who He is, you will begin to see the earth as He intended it to be. For there is a great rumble and there is a great shift happening in the earth. There is a rhythm and a sound that the Lord is releasing in the earth. It is a sound of heaven. It is a sound of the voice of the Lord being released in the earth. It is a sound of change. 
There will be waves and waves of my presence that will hit different continents of the earth. I see waves and waves and waves of the glory of God even coming upon the shores of the United States, says the Lord. of hope and change have been distorted in this nation. I say to you, hope and change only come through the kingdom of heaven and through the gates, keepers, through the gatekeepers that are in the body of Christ. So I say to you, it is a time for the watchmen in this nation and in this region to to, to, to rise up. It is an hour where I'm releasing and increasing in authority upon the gatekeepers of this nation. For even the Lord says the gatekeepers have kept terrorists and destruction from happening in this nation. For even the enemy and evil terrorist plots have been planned against this nation. But there has been a remnant of watchmen who declare truth and righteousness to be exposed, to truth and even corruption and even evil plots to be exposed. And they have been exposed. And there is a coming shift even in this nation. It is a shift of perspective. It is a shift of the people seeing my face in a way they never have. And as they see my face in a way they never have, they will begin to move and operate with the system of heaven in the earth. And I am desiring and I am releasing a shift and a change in the expression of my people in the earth. No longer will they be simply known for what they believe or for political power. But they will be a people who move heaven and earth and who live with the value system of the the eternal love of the Father. For I am even shifting the hearts and the minds of my people to approach the problems of this world system with love and compassion. For there is a priestly understanding that I desire to give the people of God. That they would stand between heaven and earth and cry for mercy. For this nation is in need of great mercy. Great mercy for the sins it has committed against the Lord. And I desire my people to stand in the place of mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I'm desiring my people to stand as a priestly company to ask for mercy. Mercy over the sins of this nation. For I desire to even shift and turn this nation back to my heart. For there will come a sound through the people of God. A sound as a voice of many waters. It will be a sound of many, but it will sound as one voice in this nation. It is a sound of rumbling in the foundation of the church in this nation. I am reshifting and I am reawakening the foundation of this nation. All across this nation, from the East Coast to the West Coast, I will raise up an apostolic company of people 
who will represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and who will stand in strategic places in society. They will stand in government, in local government, in national government, in federal government. They will stand in college campuses. They will stand even in Wall Street, says the Lord. For there is a great transfer of wealth even coming to the people of God in this nation. There is a remnant like Joseph who's been tried and tested, who will receive great wealth and great substance will come to them in this hour. Substance to release substance for the changing of nations substance and abundance even in the middle of famine in this nation says the Lord for even over this nation tonight says the Lord there is a heavenly shift there is a shift inside the people of God and they are shifting according to heaven's dictates So know and understand that you are living in strategic times. Know and understand that this is a Kairos moment. Know and understand that this is an hour where I indeed will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You will see what you've never seen before. And you are building a legacy for generations to come. For indeed... The earth is rumbling for the appearing of the sons of God. The earth is rumbling for those who will see the earth as I intended it to be. And do not look at the past. Do not look even at what you've experienced in the past and says, the Lord will do it this way. For you are entering into uncharted territories. Even uncharted seas the body of Christ will enter in. Uncharted places I desire for you to go. And there are upgrades being released. The Lord says, get out of the sailboat and get into the yacht tonight. Get into the yacht of identity. For some of you have been rowing along and pushing along, but there is a breath of my presence. There is a refreshing tonight to take you along, to tell you you don't need to work so hard. Just say yes and amen just to the word of the Lord. I just want you to stand. Just stand if you would. In the coming months and years, there will be a key shift, and it will be a sign unto the body of Christ that a new day has been dawned for I have not even forsaken the Muslim world 
I am releasing the thunders of my presence and the thunders of my spirit even into the Muslim world. And even as I'm opening up the eyes of the Muslims to see Jesus in this hour, I will open the scales in this season and the eyes of my chosen people in this hour. For there will be a great reformation all through the earth and Israel will not be excluded. For I have never forsaken my chosen people. And even in this hour, I am reawakening. I am reawakening my people even to their Jewish roots and Jewish understanding. And I will use my Gentile bride to arise and awaken my chosen people to their full potential and to their full calling. For the Apostle Paul articulated my heart when he wrote the book of Romans that his desire was that all Israel would be saved. I don't know why, but when I just said that, I saw a bridge from New Day being built to Israel. I really have this sense that there's a divine connection for this church in Israel. I, and what the feeling I got was it was a key relationship. Whoa, Shabbat Kaya. your hands and let's just honor God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. And it's gotten really hot in here. It's like the angelic presence just turned up the heat in here. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Tom, can you just lead them in a song? Then we'll just see where the Lord takes us. Just just to stay focused.
you, Lord. Tom, can you sing Overflow? Let it overflow. First of all, yeah, thank you. Guys, would you thank the Lord for that word tonight? 